With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. I'm Mara Joostic. I'm Wayne Gladstone. And this is Sticks and Stones. The show where words can never hurt you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here tonight. This is our last show of 2015, and we have had a pretty uh, pretty great year, actually, and some really wonderful guests, and we are going to close the year with another wonderful guest. Tonight we have <laughs> a very funny, very talented uh, comedian and writer. I can never speak at the beginning of our show for some reason. So I will simply say his name, Nick Amadeus. Nick, thank you so much for joining us here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I, I appreciate to... you uh, front-loading my introduction and not only saying that I'm very funny, but on Twitter you said it was hilarious. So I'm destined to fail at this point. <laughs> uh, I built you Nick, up. Nick, true. Nick, Wright, Nick writes for TV. He is one half of the delightful uh, Breakfast Quest podcast, which we'll talk about later, which I was lucky enough I... to be a guest upon. Uh, is it still called mm. breakfast quest, or is it just bread and soup? Is it, how is that working now, Nick? Well, before we get into the minutiae of it, I'll, I'll explain very quickly. We we had a theme month of sad stuff, so we called it the bread and soup quest. We ate bread and soup, but we are now, I can I can safely announce, back to eating cereal. We are breakfast quest once again. Okay. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I did want to point out, Mara, the rule of inflection says that she was setting Nick up for a fall because she kind of went like, we had a whole year of wonderful guests, and <laughs> now that seems Nick sucks. But, Nick, not only are you a wonderful guest, um, to not offend any other guests, I'm going to go on the line right here and say uh, we send our guests a pre-show questionnaire to make mm. the show suck a little less. And uh, I'm going to say it. Your responses were my favorite pre-show questionnaire responses. I don't even want to talk to you. I just want to read your answers to our <laughs> written questions. In fact, that's well, what we're going to do, Nick. Thanks for joining us. You can hang up now. We're done with you. Okay. We're just going to read the questions. Enjoy the email I sent you. And, and, we, and by the way, I'm not trying to slander any of our other guests. When it comes to questions like this, I am the worst person in the world. I like respond in like five letters uh, or five yeah. words. Uh, and none yeah. of yours were long-winded. They weren't, but they were just... They've given us a lot to talk about. And, in fact, I think we wanted to start off, actually, uh, with something you said. Um, well, we I absolutely do. But now I'm going to totally just interrupt to say that um, having seen all of the questionnaires and having actually had Wayne on as a guest and given him a questionnaire, I can say his answers were, in fact, the worst. So that <laughs> <laughs> is definitely a, a fair statement. But, Nick, um, you you – one of the first things that you started telling us about in the answers was um, was the family in which you grew up in and and the creative family in which you grew up in, um, which I think both Wayne and I were really very interested in right off the bat. A lot of people um, that we have spoken to, you know, kind of uh, who are creative people, they came out of worlds that 
they had to explain to their parents what they wanted to pursue and what they wanted to do. And uh, they were sometimes supported in that and often not. Um, but you actually, that was kind of uh, something that you were already very familiar with at an early age. Yeah. I mean, I, I have kind of a weird background because I, and you know, I'm, I'm not uh, knocking it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky. I, I grew up in Manhattan uh, because my parents uh, moved to New York to be actors. Oh, and wow. so, uh, you know, my, my mom was a Broadway actor. My dad started as an actor and then became a playwright. And so, you know, I was kind of, uh, for better or worse, raised in the theater. And um, I, I'm guessing know, that's worth <laughs> oh, well, like, yeah. it's 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 an interesting. I mean, like you know, I I got raised around very cool, interesting people, and so a lot of I think what I was saying in the questionnaire is you know, so many people have to move to New York and and make a choice, right. and I kind of was born into it, and I just chose to sort of make my own version of that. Well, you talked about a game that you used to play with your dad, which reminds me of something I do with my son. So I got choked up right away, but. I think our audience would love to hear that. Can you tell us about that, the game you played? Sure. Well, I mean, we, you know, you guys were talking to me about my past and what I remembered early on kind of when I thought, you know, this was, that uh, writing and TV was sort of the right thing for me. And I remembered that, you know, my dad and I, I, I was totally raised with the TV on and not in a kind of neglectful 1950s way, but in right. a... Um, you know, like, you know, it was right. another member of the family. Like, David Letterman, I consider my uncle. And, like, so my dad and I would often kind of watch whatever the, the sitcom was or the, you know, Northern Exposure was or whatever the thing that was on, and we would uh, play a game where we try to guess either where the joke was going to land or where the story was going to go and sort of, you know, see who got it right. And, you know, you get increasingly better at it because, you know, right. for certain formulas, these things. And it became a real bonding thing between me and my dad, but it also kind of taught me how stories work and how jokes work and completely informs, you know, who I am and what I do up to this day. So let me ask you this, and you really might not be, might not be in a position to know. Okay. But sometimes it's kind of a nature versus nurture uh, question in the yes. sense that well, I do something similar with, with my son, uh, with all my kids, but I'll, you'll see why I'm talking about my son, since he was a kid. But also since he was a kid, he definitely had a feel for it, which wasn't taught. When he was three years old, he noticed a musical motif in Pirates of the Caribbean that they replayed every time Davy Jones thought of his lost love. That's a three-year-old. Oh, wow. I didn't point that out. He figured that out. But that's the yeah. kind of thing we. So do you, do you ever think about that? Like whether this was innate or whether this is like a learned skill. I think it's both. I mean, I don't have any siblings, so it's not like I can compare myself to like my jock older brother or something. But you know, I think uh, you know if you're lucky, you are born with certain things, and then you can develop on the stuff that you don't innately have, right? So it's like it's both. Do you remember what it was like when you would like? meet other kids and find out that their families would just like see a movie or TV show and not talk about it? Oh, it was was hell, man. I mean, like, you know, you'd go uh, to somebody's house for play date and the TV is on and they want you to, what, do a puzzle or something? I would go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean that exactly. I mean, I didn't realize, my my family did what you you did, but I didn't realize that that wasn't everyone's family. I, w- I walked out of a movie with a bunch of friends in my freshman year of college, and they were very confused by it, so we were discussing it. And one of my friends said, wow, this is like, we're all acting like Wayne after a movie. 
But I didn't know that everyone didn't do that after a movie. I didn't know that everyone didn't discuss, well, what about the scene, and what does that mean? And none of these guys did it. They weren't from that kind of background. It came naturally to me, and I didn't know I was a freak because it was just what my family did. I was, I was wondering if you were late in learning that you were a freak, considering that you were raised around theater people and, and raised by theater people, were you intersected with the real world? Was there like a rude awakening? But some people just yeah, keep forced to go home. Did you just find out right now that you were yeah, raised? Did we <laughs> actually just <laughs> bring that yeah, to life? Say, like, I, I don't think I ever considered that. Um, <laughs> maybe it's because I think I'm uh, right. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, that's, the best, that's the best part, right? It's funny that you say that, actually, because um, so uh, I, I just had a, a daughter uh, seven months ago. I have a little baby. Oh. And uh, th- this is going to be such a, a crazy involved story. But um, So I, I live in the same neighborhood I grew up in in Manhattan. And um, oh. there was a, there's a video store for, like, many decades in my neighborhood. And I just went – it closed down. It was a blockbuster. It closed down, and I just saw one of the young ladies who used to always recommend videos to me in, like, a di- just working in a different store in the neighborhood. And I said, hey, you know, I, it's so funny that you're still in the neighborhood. And she said, oh, I see you got another little uh, movie viewer with you now because I had my, my daughter with me. And right. I said, yeah, you know, she, she totally, she looks up the screen. She gets lost in it like she's already kind of a, a little viewer. And she said, no, but, you know, the best part is the conversation you have afterwards. And she's saying that to me. And it was, I was like, yeah, that is the best part. <laughs> right. Well, she works in a video store. So, again, you really haven't gone that far stream. But, you know, people who watch football, they probably won't, they won't have that conversation with you. Anyway, I agree. I, I mean, I had funny. that problem, definitely. Like, I, I had always – and I didn't grow up in that household at all, but I started doing it um, and in college, and then people didn't want to go to movies with me. Like, really? so, I mean, I came to it late to do that, and then I would go to movies, and then people would just be like, can't you just enjoy it? Like, can we just, like, go right. out and, like, eat some french fries after? We're like, why? Shut up. <laughs> Shut wow. up. Right. Just did but you also, like it or Mara not? But also, like, screams at the screen, like, at horror movies and, like, warns the characters. So that's probably played into it. How uh, else are they going to know? Come on. <laughs> so, so let me ask you a related <laughs> question, uh, Nick. Um, so... Uh, <sighs> Um, obviously you're a writer, so you read, and reading is important. But also, you know, you were raised among show people. So it seems like um, that you, your family and you growing up were taught to see value in, like, more than one medium. Like, I have very memorable uh very memorable memories, but like watching TV shows with my family, watching movies with my family. Like it didn't have to be in a book. It didn't have to be literature. If it was something of worth, whether it was a cartoon, a uh, special, or a very special episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show, it held, it had value. Was that kind of the aesthetic you had? Yeah, I think um, it was not as political of a statement as the way you're underlining it right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I the, the easy way to say it would be that my parents were not snobs about that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, like, right. I went to plenty of, uh, you know, Sondheim shows growing up, but I also watched just hours of Full House or, you know, like, just stuff that one would consider lowbrow, but you could certainly look at it through another uh, lens and say, no, there's value to this. This is, like, I mean, I, what you're touching on is, like, I think the core of kind of what we do with the podcast and also sort of what I try to argue with people now because you meet a kid who just graduated from NYU and I, the first thing I usually say to those guys when they're all on their like Francois Truffaut kicks is like my favorite movie is Point Break 
because their immediate reaction will be like, you're an, a moron, and I'll be like, no, I've thought about this, and there's a reason why you should at least consider it and not turn your nose up at you know? Wow, you might be the perfect contestant for the second game in the second half hour of our show, which we call Highbrow, Lowbrow. Okay, so wait, I want to know um, why your favorite movie is Point Break. I'm sorry, because yeah. I, I, I love the Point reading. Break, frankly. I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I think it's, well, like, just on an academic side, it's an easy one to argue because, you know, Catherine Bigelow eventually became who she became. So now mm-hmm. because of, like, movies like The Hurt Locker and Zero Dark Thirty, like, she is this, like, highbrow film director. But she made this movie that's, like, essentially a genre film, but it's, like, such a good example of what you can do within a genre without being lazy. There's so many kind of fun set pieces in it. The acting is fun. They let the actors have fun. The script is good. Um it's it's it makes an impression on you, right? Like, oh yeah, I think putting uh, point I've break. I've never seen it, seen it because uh, I was young enough to I was old enough to know to not. See, I mean, you're saying it's a good movie, so Nick, I'll, I, no, 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 wait. I mean, I want to cut this off for one second, only to say, Nick, really, the whole reason that I was like, I want to know why you think this is a good movie, was huh. out of a secondary hope that this would convince Wayne to finally see it. Because I have had this conversation <laughs> with him before, and he just oh, really? rushes me off immediately, like, well, yeah. Mm, no, you said, how is it possible you that you never saw it? And I said, well, I was old enough to know it sucked when it came out, but too old, but, but, I, but too, not old enough to, like, watch it for kitsch, which is what people your age watch it as, meaning Mara, who's six years younger than I. Um, and she did not say, oh, no, 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 but it's a really good movie that stands on a own terms. No, I didn't. I didn't. Because Bigelow. I'm not smart enough to say that. I said, <laughs> it's really fun. And I wanted to hear someone who had given it the thought explain why it's, why, smartly, why, uh, why you should watch it. No, I, I don't have the ability to do that, but I do believe I am, in Nick I am, I'm halfway through my Francois Truffaut uh, collection. <laughs> <laughs> but I get there, and I also understand there are many episodes of Full House that I should be watching from Nick. When I get through those as well, and Fuller House, which I have to catch, then maybe I'll consider Point Break. I'll watch All right, it. If it's on, Netflix, it's, on, it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. All right, let's move on. Um, okay, I was all right. Point Break. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to hear as well, because I thought this was really fascinating, um, that you were on public access, you had created a show that was on public access when you were a young teenager. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. So I thought, yeah. So what was that you that you were doing? Uh, well, I mean, sort of as a result of being around my parents, um, you know, I had a lot of free time. But it, you know, if I didn't have something to self-start myself, like I would end up just kind of going to rehearsals with my, my dad or whatever on a show that he was producing. Wow. Uh, so I said, you know, I, I want to do my own thing, and I got obsessed with comic books. Um, I kind of go through that in my life where I'll pick a thing and I'll just want to know everything about it, and I want to immerse myself in the world. And I tried to get an internship at a, a couple of the comic book companies in the city, because a lot of them are based in New York City, but I was uh, 10. So <laughs> I said, go away, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, and at the same time, I was kind of becoming uh, interested in public access in Manhattan, which was having a, a huge moment at that time. I mean, we're talking about, like, 1993. So there were, like, you know, this is post-Robin Bird, but there are things like G Street Live happening and all these kind of amazing, um, you know, just dudes in front of a blue screen taking phone calls. You know, like, you're just hanging out with these guys. Kind of like a pre-podcast sort of feel. 
Um, and I found that it was super easy to just go down. You fill out a form. It's your right as a New Yorker in the city to, to get <laughs> airtime. Uh, so me and my, my best friend Millen uh, at 11, we started this weekly show about comic books. And we would just, you know, our, in our little high kid voices, call up comic book creators, you know, at the top of their game and ask them if they would come down. And, and thankfully a lot of them did. <laughs> um, and oh, we took call. Yeah, and a big part of the show was us like handling prank callers from New York City, and it was it was a lot of fun. Handling prank callers? Yeah, I mean it was it was relentless. Yeah. I don't know why. We there was no there was calls. no delay, right? There was no delay, and there was no beeping, right? No, it's just no delay, yeah. no censorship. So yeah. it was, it was, I, I won't <laughs> tell the story, but there was a guy who used to do extra help on public access, and you just call him up with your math problems or like anything, and and my friend made a prank call that was so dirty and so profane that the cameraman started laughing and the whole camera started shaking. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. I think it's time for our first game. What do you think, Mara? Okay, yes, but I want to go back to because <laughs> But yes, it is in fact time for our first game. Um, so we'll, we'll cut off because your public access. Um, and we will now make you play a game we call Stick, Stone, or Story. This game um, is one where I will read you three related anecdotes. They are all true stories. Um, and one of them happened to me. I am Mara Chwastik, so it is Stick. One okay. happened to Wayne. He's Wayne Gladstone, that's Stone. And the third happened to some other person out in the world. And uh, you just have to guess that it's a story. You don't actually have to guess who it is, but you can guess who that random person anywhere in the world might be for extra credit if you'd like. And also, I play awesome. along with that part because while I know which one is not Mara or me, I, I don't know who the third celebrity guest is. Uh, so I'll be playing with you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> or be afraid. You know, don't let us tell you what to do. But I'm <laughs> going to read all three, and then at the end of that, you, you can guess. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Wayne, would you like to do an intro? Time for Stick Stone Story. Excellent. All right, our first anecdote. While reading and perhaps drinking a bit in their room, this person lit a tea light and eventually fell asleep with the candle burning, and the book was a bit too close to the light. They woke up to a book that was slightly simmering but had not yet fully lit and black smoke damage up against the wall. They were able to quickly grab a glass of water and pour it on the book before they burned the entire place down. That's the first. The second, okay. when, when this person was about 10 years old, they thought it would be fun to watch something burn, so they stupidly lit a piece of paper on fire in their room without thinking about what to do after it was on fire. Afraid they'd start a huge fire if they threw it in the trash can, they ran to the bathroom with the paper already burning their hand and quickly had to douse their whole hand and the paper in the sink. That's the second. And the third... When this person was also about 10, they were told to go to bed but wanted to stay up and read. So, thinking they were being sneaky, this person put a pillowcase over their lamp to muffle the light. They got so wrapped up in reading, they didn't notice until the pillowcase began to smoke. They had to run the lit pillowcase into the bathroom and throw it into the bathtub before it burned down the room. Those are your three stories. They're all lit. And now you get to guess which one is stick. Which one is stone and which one is story? Okay, so here's here's my dilemma here. Can I can I talk this through a little? 
Oh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, can. as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. I, 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 Maura, I, I know you only from Twitter. I have a sort of a sense of your personality. Wayne, I've spent a little time with, and I feel like we've eaten soup together. together. What? We've eaten soup together. Exactly, <laughs> which is the, the the best way men can bond. Right. Um, and I feel like in the time that I spent with Wayne, I I did not know him to be a person that would be as absent-minded as any of those stories. <laughs> right. Like That's he's kind of on top of things. That's so fair. yeah, that was that was kind of uh, yeah okay. I, but you it, know what? It, Let me tell you this. Of all of okay. the stories that I've heard that have been Wayne, this would be the least that I would ever think of him. Like, I would yeah. never connect this story but, to him. But I think so you're, you're right. on to something, because because one of those stories definitely is really not, not noticing something. That's true. And I think, that, I think you're down a right path. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. If, it, if one of those has to be Wayne, process of elimination, I'm going to make him uh, number three because it takes place in childhood and he hadn't, like, developed his... No, they all take... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you go there, that is right or wrong. Two salad. Two plate Two all, they're the same... Uh, yeah. Two and okay. three are both childhood. Two and three are both childhood. I, right, two is, I'm two is some dude I'm, or woman lighting a thing on fire and then going, oops, what do I do with this? And three is putting a pillowcase over a uh, lamp, not noticing that it's burning, and then it burning. Right. I'm still going to stick with saying Wayne is number three. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and you deserve the news! <laughs> uh, and then I'm, I'm stuck between one and two for Mora. Um, the first one had, like, kind of a, a, a poetic uh, narrative to it, which feels mm-hmm. to me like uh, it was reflecting on something that actually happened by the, the person who wrote it. But mm. I think that that may have been uh, because uh, you, Mora, were uh, uh, writing about somebody else maybe imposing uh, your narrative of their, their thought process on it. So I'm going to say one is story, two is Mora, three is Wayne. I love you're working through this so much. I just, I love you're working this, through this. You're working through this is all, everything that you've said on the working through this side has yes, been perfect. Excellent. Has <laughs> been fucking perfect. Like three really. are all wrong. Not all wrong. Okay. But, but, but they're not, your answers are not perfect, but the working through was perfect. Okay. Um, you are absolutely correct. I completely drafted the narrative of, of the first, uh, the first story based on the little bits that I pulled from the internet of a famous person's story. Uh, so that, that is correct. That is, that is the story. Okay. Where you went slightly awry, uh, got <laughs> one point on that is that, uh, Wayne is the second one. He is the one who just yeah. wanted to light something on fire mm. <laughs> as a child. Just See, that, that would just, be fun. You were so right. That was just stupidity. But you were right also that number three was not noticing something, and you said I would notice stuff. So I thought uh, you would. Yeah, I was trying to right? help. I see your point. Meanwhile, I am I am the one who just didn't notice because I was reading so intently, had not noticed that I had lit something on fire at all. I see um, my mistakes now. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I was rooting for you. I was trying to help you. Thank that you. That <laughs> logic, though, was really phenomenal Excellent. logic. Phenomenal logic, really. Unfortunately, does, does, uh, you can't can't pass the bar with just the logic alone. Got to get the right answer. Does how Nick want to guess much, who the celebrity is? I do. I'm just, yes. Like, so before we're done, how much money am I getting per right answer? I'm just checking. You're getting one uh, percent of Wayne's winning lottery ticket. Oh, that's <laughs> fair. Per, per answer. Um, so the the first is the story. Now, I always do pick a celebrity um, 
this is this is not an a, I don't know, maybe A-list. I don't know. This this is not a celebrity that's going to immediately spring to mind, but it is in fact a famous person. Would you like to guess who the? I would like to guess. Can you recap the bullet points of this story? Oh yes, this person was drinking. I left out that they were in a hotel room because I wanted to kind of combine the stories. But they were in a hotel room. Uh, and in fact, I'll give you additional detail that I left out when I put it in. This person had been wearing a dress that they ripped earlier that night, and the ripped dress was also kind of splayed where the tea light was lit. So mm-hmm. it was kind of uh, the tea, the dress might have also added to the something that was kind of singeing the dress and the book uh, that this I know, person. I, I know you make it sound like it's a woman, but every week I guess Brad Dorif. So I'm going to go with Brad Dorif. <laughs> You do, you do, and this I mean, is not your lucky week, but that's all right. Uh, he does have a beauty about him, though. Yes, very good actor, <laughs> yes. excellent actor. Yeah, um, he does. Okay, he does. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, um, this story is about Julia Roberts. Ooh, I like, I like that. that. That's a lovely guess. It is Florence Welch of Florence and the Machine. Oh, you had to go English and rock bands. I know, I know, but you know. I think that's, but, I think that's because I can really easily envision lighting Julia Roberts on fire. All <laughs> oh, right. So for you, that little clam snap thing that would have just been like fire on either side, and she just would have lit. That makes sense. What? Anyway, what? Not what? Uh, pretty woman, the necklace, the little clam box. This is a family show. Stop talking about that. All right. You know what? I mean, like, the best part would have been, you know, if she set this fire and then somebody came in and said, big mistake. Huge. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. See, Nick is there with me. We're good. (laughs) This is perfect. All right, Nick, you got one point, which uh, will place you solidly above half of our guests and below the other half. But, you know, right in the middle. So that's okay, good. good. That's where I like to be. <laughs> that's exactly. um, so let's see. Um, so we were talking about your your show that was on um, public access, and then that show actually got some notice talking about comic yeah. books when you were a child. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Awesome. <laughs> uh, we, we were doing the show for about three months in Manhattan, and... Um, at the same time, we got uh, three kind of big notes of recognition. One was uh, one of Howard Stern's interns tried to prank call us and uh, got shut down by two 12-year-old fat kids, and so they played that no, on the air. really? Yeah, so that was what, fun. What, what happened? How did he try and prank you? I, I think it was, I mean, it was like a classic kind of Baba Booey kind of thing. Uh-huh. But, um, I think like we were cool about it. We wouldn't. We didn't get weird, and we kind of acknowledged that it was a Howard Stern thing. And so he thought that was cool, and he played it on the show the next morning. So that was great. I, I have more like of a excitement about that now than I did then. Um, and, <laughs> but you must have been uh, very cool in fifth grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but then the big, the big one was uh, the TV producer who was kind of a young and upcoming guy at the time, Josh Braun, who is now a big deal in the film world. Uh, was working at this company, was changing the channels one day, and saw us and said, hey, I want to make a, a, a real big show out of this. And he did. And uh, we, you know, we were, within a year, we were on the Sci-Fi Channel here. We were on YTV in Canada. They, they made, like, a big-budget version of this show, uh, which was crazy. And I got to meet, you know, all these comic book heroes of mine, but also, you know, 
it was a uh, kind of a pop culture comic book centric show. So all of a sudden we had you know Janine Garofalo on and Ben Stiller and Kiss and so it was this and other a thing. Teenager. This is like this is like the real plot of Wayne's World, the public access show getting picked up and being done in a more slick version. The movie. Yeah, it was a bit, it was totally a Wayne's World scenario. You're you're correct. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's the only thing <laughs> that was right tonight. One point. One point. I was wrong when I said Brad Dereef, but I was right when I said Wayne's World. So <laughs> where is that? Amazing. You're, so you're just so, a teenager so, at this point. Like I feel yeah. as though that's in it, at this period of time, that's like as close as we get to like reality stardom. I mean, you're getting a ton of attention at a young age. That's got to be kind of I, I don't know. Did that? Do you feel like that affected you in any way, or you just feel like oh that was cool, whatever? No, and here's why. Um, because in, in the 90s, uh, the world of comic books was still very um, sort of separated from the world of mainstream pop culture. And so I was able to share the best kind of fame, which is like a, a very specific kind. Uh, and, you know, comic book creators who were kind of famous at that time will tell you, you know, they would be anonymous 364 days of the year, and then they'd go to the San Diego Comic-Con and they'd be rock stars for a day, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, I mean, people who followed comic books at the time, I think, knew who I was. But, you know, I mean, kids at school knew that I just was sort of, you know, I wasn't going to be in class on Friday. That <laughs> was about it. Um, which was wow. great because it allowed me to still kind of be a human and not get, like, kind of chewed up and spit out in a, in a mental kind of uh, capacity, I think. Wow. So this didn't, like, get you oodles of, like, tail? <laughs> no, no <laughs> there, was, there was little tail. Really? You didn't hook up yeah, with me yeah. your Apple? Are you sure? <laughs> you know what's funny? I'll, I'll tell you a story that is related to that. Um, I went through <laughs> puberty in front of Janine Garofalo. Like, I was I was such a huge fan of hers, and you know, and I thought and think that she was so cute, and um, and I was there, and my voice drops on camera. There's footage somewhere of me trying to interview this person, <laughs> and just completely going from boy to man. It was it was the closest thing I had oh to a perfect stuff. What? Oh movie my is god, that? that's amazing! That's in a movie. Isn't it? That's in some movie. Where someone goes. All of your life one... should be in a movie. We could easily recreate your life right now. We could just put it on screen, and uh, and we would we would do very very well. Your whole oh, life is really recreated a movie. Uh, Steve Martin, Man with Two Brains. Oh really? Kathleen makes a bellboy go through puberty just by looking at him, and his voice changes. <laughs> Look, there's really nothing that's happened to you. You're right that I can't liken to some 80s or 90s uh, TV or or movie phenomenon. Did we just create Nick out of our collective like pop culture? I don't brain? think Nick is. We just like uh, yeah, because, just put him together because really references. <laughs> Nick's, Nick's existence is highly doubtful because he is seriously the only person who the very first time I met him in real life gave me free soup. That doesn't happen. Has no, that ever that happened? Doesn't happen. I've never doesn't gotten free soup. Yet. Not once. Not no, no, soup. <laughs> what, if that, what if that replaced hello, guys? What if, like, instead of saying hello, people just started giving each other soup? The world that would be, be a, a nicer That's world. Like, much a nicer world. That's like world peace right there. So, since you're such a lovely person and it's been such a lovely show, I'd like okay. to make it less lovely and uh, really go to the dark side of uh, Nick Amadeus and okay. uh, and ask you. What is it going on in comedy today that makes you angry? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I've been actively... So you guys are both 
uh, like uh, Twitter people. And mm-hmm. um, I'm being, I mean, I'm going to be very circuitous in this answer, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I'm, so I'm on Twitter, and I'm very active in it. And I think a lot of um, Twitter and a lot of like being a comedically inclined person is finding out what's wrong and what makes me angry and stuff. And I realize the sort of um, the way that can sort of destroy you, for lack of a better term. But if you're constantly looking for the thing that upsets you, then you kind of like get in this uh, mindset of looking for the, the negatives, right? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I've been trying to stay away from, uh, you know, what, what gets me upset, but, but you guys had posed this to me as a question in, in the, the, the pre-interview, and I thought about it, and I tried to think of like a thing that was not going to get me too insane. And I think what mm-hmm. bums me out maybe about comedy is the same thing that is sort of making me sad about the world in general and particularly, you know, my city, New York City, where I, where I grew up and where I live, which is that, like, when things are as big as they've gotten, um, they can't be that exciting, right? So it's like, right. um, so to, to use, like, a kind of uh, a more direct way of saying it, it's like, you know, you, in my, my city, New York, you used to, be able to open a store where you sold like, you know, the hair ties that you made in your garage or whatever. And either it worked or it didn't. And, you know, you could take chance. It would take, you know, a, a month's rent was uh, $300. And if it didn't work out, then, you know, all right, you were out $300 and you had to close your shop. And now to oversimplify things, maybe like things are so big that you cannot take those kinds of chances, right? Like those hair bands would have to be, uh, you know, they'd have tied to be in some movie coming out. They'd have to be tied in with, with Star Wars. They'd have to, you know, uh, meet all these, you know, uh, different tests and stuff. And it just is a very unexciting uh, uh, time, I think, to be alive if you're uh, interested in the the big game, right? Right. That being right. said... Or hair ties. Right. <laughs> it's all about hair ties for anyway. But that being said, I think the positive of that is that there are so many ways for voices to get through now that maybe aren't the, the mainstream, right? Like Twitter is a great example of something, you know, you and I and the, the three of us can just go up there and write and say whatever we want at the moment and it's free and it's broadcast to whomever we want. You know, everybody can get it for the most part and that's amazing. Right. Is that a good enough rant? Do you know what I'm saying? It's not a rant, no. It's a terrible rant, but it's a very good okay. point. Okay. But <laughs> you don't want to rant. Your, 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 your aim was to not rant. Right. And you succeeded. Right. But I think okay. you're right. It, it, it's it, it's funny how everything economically can even affect art, right? I mean, it's what you're saying is every bank is merged, right? Every 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 retail store is merging. There's fewer and fewer options because everyone's play, hedging their bets and playing it safer and safer. And there have to be more guaranteed sure things. And uh, the Internet, uh, in its current state at least, is one of the few places where that creative spirit can still survive. Uh, the rest of I the world you. is given to the tyranny of the majority. But you know... Um, Word! Yeah. Yeah. Um, geez, but now, I understand what you mean about... There's nothing bad. There's nothing worse than... Look, there's nothing worse than an emotion in place of an actual joke, whether it's anger or I'm so stupid and spastic or insecure or whatever your fucking trope is. Um, but is there... Is there anger comedy that you do enjoy? Like, are there, is there, I understand that's not your goal, it's not your aim, and you want to be a happy person, and you are a happy person. But if you, if you had to look at, like, well, if you're going to do it, do it right, do it like X. 
Is there any angry comedy you like? Oh, oh yeah, I love uh, ingesting this stuff. It's just I, you know, I'm trying to like stay away from it in terms of like what I'm writing or whatever, just because I think it it can be a little toxic. But yeah, I mean, there are hilarious angry comedians, and like, there's a long tradition of that, right? I mean, it's like right, yeah. No, I'm just asking for your personal favorite. Well, I mean, you. I, you know, I I don't know if he's outwardly. His facade is not angry, but I think there's a lot of anger in the the brilliance of my friend uh, Pat Monahan, who is Patty Mo on Twitter. I mean, he's like, um, there's a lot of, you know, cultural criticism that I think at the root comes from, like, being dissatisfied with the way things are, right? Um, I haven't seen Patty's stand-up, but I, I, I would never call his Twitter angry. Really? I mean, like, I would I mean, call it an angry guy. I would call it like couldn't bothered enough to get angry because it's mocking dismissively, like, ugh. But anger, I, I don't, I don't feel his pulse rising. I feel his intellect churning and going, that's bullshit. He definitely likes to point to negativity. Like he likes to point out things, and and he's not pointing out like look at these kittens and then making a joke about the adorableness of kittens. Like he's pointing out bad things and kind he's of pointing uh, out terrible behavior. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I think criticism is, like, going to be positive in a sense, right? Because you're saying, like, you know, I'm dissatisfied with this. How can we do better? Right. right. I got that. I get it. Yeah, no, I get all that. I follow Patty. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going, like, John Cleese, you know, you know. Lewis Black. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the Patty Moe. Um, everybody uh, no, follows Patty Moe. But I think, yeah, Patty Moe's great, but I definitely do think of him as uh, someone who, I mean, he's pointing out negative things. He's he's not, I, I never see him saying anything that is, like, I don't want to use the word positive, because obviously we have these, like, positive connotations, but I do think of him as, like, pointing to bad stuff in the world on a regular basis. I should basis. qualify this by saying that he's an incredibly nice person. And, and I've spoken briefly like to him. Really, he's like a nice really guy. It's really interesting and great. Like, I'll, uh, there's nothing, we're not, we're not saying anything bad about Patty. We're, so, we're just saying he's on a kitten's account. He he points to bad stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad I derailed the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all my fault. That's all my fault. Right. The good news is we're here. For, we're ready for the second game of our of our show. Oh my goodness, which we is, are. Which is called highbrow lowbrow, and you perfectly alluded to it. And the first question, and I think this is right up your alley, because I think you have an appreciation for all things both highbrow and lowbrow. Um, and my favorite thing in art is the combination of the two, like Monty Python, Kids in the Hall. Uh, I love how they go together. So here's what we do. Four questions around a theme. Two of the questions are more highbrow. Two of the questions are about more lowbrow topics within the same theme. You only have to get three right. And the second question, each category is harder than the first. And you choose what order you do what questions in. Okay. Okay. So yeah. in honor of your artistic uh, background, in honor of your playwright uh, father and your writing history, I went with writers and their sons. That's the topic. Oh. Um, um, and let me find it. Okay, here it is. Yes, that's the topic. Writers and their sons. Too highbrow, too lowbrow. What do you want first? Uh, I would like the highbrow questions first. Okay. Well, you don't have to go. 
you can go to the first eyebrow question. You can you can one, eye, the one eyebrow question, please. Yes. Okay. Um, name a columnist, New York Times columnist Frank Rich's son, who is a comedy writer who has written for SNL. I don't know. Jerry mm. Rich. Close. <laughs> Simon Rich. Simon Rich. Okay. Oh is my his dad Frank Rich? Yeah. Really hey, I don't want you to feel bad. You got one wrong, you can still win this game, and I think you will. Okay. Why don't we go? Why don't we go yeah, lowbrow? That's very hard. That's very hard. Yeah. That is kind of a tough one. Yeah. We'll go lowbrow. I think you'll get this. Lowbrow. Lowbrow. Name Mel Brooks's son, who is famous for his zombie apocalypse handbook. Oh. That's funny. I'm not going to get this, but I know what you're talking about. What's his name? You know what? Let's table it. Wait. No, we'll table it. We'll table it. It's open. We'll come back to it. So I don't want you to get it wrong because if you get it wrong, then you're going to be like, I can't even win this game. Your heart's going to go out of it. Okay? okay? Nice. So we'll go, we'll go to the next lowbrow one, which I'm positive you're going to get right. In the early days uh, of the show, tension going. Sorry, but... we weren't just doing trivia. We would do challenges. I feel we hadn't been doing enough of that lately. I want to start bringing that back in the show. So William Shakespeare had an illegitimate son, apparently, or allegedly, named Hamnet. Hamnet, not Hamlet, Hamnet. And he didn't write. He actually wasn't a writer. And for all we know, he died of like the bubonic plague like when he was five and he was raised by his grandfather. He didn't write. But for the purposes of this question, if he did, you have 20 seconds to tell us the name of what would have been the title of his most famous play. Okay. Uh, total, total making that up, yeah. Uh, uh, Nine, ten. It would be uh, Piggio and Porcliette. One more time? Tegio and Porkliet. There you go. Okay. Tegio and Porkliet. That is correct. We will accept that answer. You are now one for two. This game is still yours. By the way, I we're going to avoid say, uh, the, the, the Mel Brooks question. Yeah. I and we're going to go jump we, to the... Before we move on, Wayne, I just want to say that uh, when in the early days of the Internet, I, the reason I got that question right is because I spent most of my time on the HamNet bulletin board system. <laughs> it was all ham-related. I got you. Understood. <laughs> all right, let's see if you get this. Uh, Chris Elliott's dad was part of a famous radio and TV comedy duo. Mm-hmm. Name it. Uh, it's two names. You are correct. <laughs> Uh, he was the host of, uh, his name is Bob. Bob, it's Bob and, um, Bob and Ray. Bob and Ray. Well done. You're now two for three. You have to go three for four. <laughs> Mel Brooks had a son with Anne Bancroft. Uh-huh. He went on, his last name is Brooks. <laughs> He, because he gets along, there's no falling out, same name. Um, wrote the Zombie Apocalypse Handbook and a couple other things, sort of a couple of zombie-related things. He's the reason why every fucking book had a zombie in it from like 2005 to 2010. Mm-hmm. And his name, which also begins with M, is... You know, I wanted <laughs> Wait, to say... Nick, yeah. that like Wayne sends me, he like he puts these questions together, and he sends me an email every time. He sends me an email like, here are the questions I have with the answers, and I open it up and I go, oh, these are great. 
I still can't answer any of them. <laughs> I've seen them all in advance. I have absolutely no idea. So, you know, um, you're doing better than I am. Thank you. Just what as a sidebar. Look how nice Mars being. As a sidebar, Wayne, I was in your position uh, earlier this year. I was writing for a game show that I was hosting, and they wanted me to write comic book questions. And so, you know, I was the only person there who knew whether these were, like, reasonable questions to ask of normal human beings, and they completely were not. And it was an entire day of me being, like, just, like people staring me dead in the face, just being like, I don't know, I don't know. Amazing Fantasy 15, that doesn't even say Spider-Man in it. Why would that be the first appearance of Spider-Man? What are you talking about? Wait, what about anyway. the first, wait, the first, the first edition of Spider-Man, yeah. not the Amazing Spider-Man number one? No, the first, the first appearance of Spider-Man is Amazing Fantasy 15. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. The first appearance of Superman is Action Comics number one. But I do know this. What? 1963. Nice. Um, I, don't, I don't know the name of, uh, of Mel Brooks, son. I'm sorry. Okay, so it, it, he's a Jew, and it begins with an M. There are only two possible names. There's three, I guess. It's not Menachem. <laughs> it's not my room. I guess there are many names. I guess we, the Jews, like the M. But it's, it's, too, it's, it's the second most common name you would expect for a Jew to be walking around with in New York or L.A. with an M. Do you think Mark? That's, I think a, that's I a really waspy name. I don't, I don't hear that's Mark. That's what I guess, too, Mark. I guess Mark, too, yeah. I have met new I, one Jew named Mark, and he was adopted. I can name so. three off the top of my head. Well, it's not Mark. You, <laughs> you get one more guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want me to Google it's it? It's Max. It's Max Brooks. It's Max Brooks. You go home with no soup, no bread, and no trophy. Uh, I could only help you so much. I'm sorry. You were two for four. In truth, there's only been uh, like three guests who've ever won both games. And the majority of guests have won neither. So don't feel bad. If we have I feel like minutes, everybody we, else. We have 14 minutes remaining, and what I do okay. want to do is uh, talk a little bit about your podcast, which I was lucky enough to be a guest on, and I had... Actually, you know, let me, let me go back. Being there, I had a good, nice time. Listening to it afterwards, uh-huh. I had a great time. It was cut together beautifully. Unlike our show, it was uh, wonderful audio because you've got the whole sound system and because you and Lars know each other so well and we're sitting so intimately, there aren't these weird interruptions uh, uh, like we're having here uh, because we don't know when the other guy is going to speak. Tell us about your podcast. Everyone should be checking it out. It was a great time. Well, thank you, Wayne. Um, So uh, the, the podcast is called Breakfast Quest. And um, it's hosted by myself and uh, my very good friend, Lars Castine, who is the, he's a musician. He's the front man of a band called Qualia, uh, which is the reason why we have such a good studio, because it's his home recording studio for music. Right. Um, and basically, uh, Lars is married to a girl that I went to grade school with. And so we've known oh. each other for years. And we would get together and sort of, we, we realized very quickly that we kind of had the same... Um, the same way of looking at pop culture, which is what we've been talking about here, that highbrow, lowbrow appreciation thing. And, you know, we loved watching kind of bad movies and, yes, making fun of them, but also talking about why they're great. Or, like, you know, when everybody else is making fun of Katy Perry, like, let's listen to this album and talk about, like, why it's actually very good. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not being ironic, just, like, saying, like, you know, there are good things about this and people are missing it. 
Um, so we figured out that uh, there's a world of amazing, weird kids' TV in in this world uh, that, you know, uh, you think of kids' TV, and it's in your memory it seems like a very kind of clean thing that, like, you know, someone was in control of, that an adult made and had intentions for and then was able to execute those intentions. But if you look back, there are a lot of super weird things that got on the airwaves, particularly in the 80s, um, and so what we do is we, we have a guest, we watch one of these old, uh, strange, weird, forgotten shows, and then afterwards we have a conversation about it and just kind of figure out uh, what it is that we just went through. Yeah, and it and it's uh, but you guys, uh, they break it down beat by beat, and it's great. But I realize you might be the perfect person to ask a question that I've been asking since okay. college. The original uh, Tron. Mm-hmm. Good, good, bad movie or bad, good movie? That's a very good question. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, Move to strike is not responsive. We're going to have to insist upon an answer. <laughs> I'm going to lean towards uh, a, a bad, good movie. Because a I bad, think, good movie. Interesting. <laughs> well, I think like a lot of um, early attempts at filming science fiction like have really good intentions, but the technology is not there yet, or the audience's hipness is not there yet to really be up to snuff with it, right? So it's like mm-hmm. even even when you watch Star Wars, which I think, you know, the original Star Wars is accepted as a classic, it's like they're still sort of explaining things to an audience that isn't ready for this to be the norm, whereas now you can just go out to a sci-fi movie and Tom Cruise is blowing up aliens and, and no hand-holding is really required. So I'm going to lean towards Tron, the original Tron being not so good. Well, what are you saying? You're saying that when you think of Tron, you think of, like, hand-holding, about explaining what this technology is and what computers are? And... I'm saying, I, that's like, an important I, question to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very interested in your insight. Yeah, I mean, I think, I just think that, um, well, it's it's not just the hand-holding of the audience, although I think that's probably an element. And again, I haven't seen it in a while, um, but yeah, I mean, part of it is that, and part of it is just, you know, if you want to tell stories about uh, robots in space, the, the technology kind of has to be there, or you have to have a way to tell that story without highlighting that technology. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, yeah, I do, I do, and I think, I think what I would like is that if I promise to watch Point Break, you promise to rewatch Tron, because although the special effects are very awful. In a way, they're amazing, and they actually, right. for me, help tell the story with how bad they are. Because if you remember, they're trying to go inside a video game. So who knows what that really looks like? So the fact that it looks fake, okay, I'm on board. I remember, because I'm older than you and Mora, when that movie came out, those shitty special effects blew our mind. Those cars were like, what the f- It was insane. And like, we'd, like, we'd ride around on our bikes and pretend that we like had the... The, the lines coming out our back that would create walls that you could crash into. Because when I say we, obviously I had no friends. I mean me alone <laughs> is sad, crying, and pedaling at the same time. Uh, Here's what Laura, I'll say, though. This me. Yeah, Tron is an, is an ex- excellent example, though, of the difference between we, how we make sci-fi movies now and how we made them then. Because Tron, the way it looks, is beautiful, right? Um, but the way they rebooted it is so beautiful that it's gross. No, yeah, no, the reboot is all wrong, yeah. I yeah, agree. I'm with you on that. I agree. You know I, I but also because I have a little bit of a Jeff Bridges crush, so 
like, you know, I'm just sad that he's not quite as dreamy. So I that's a problem, too. I think, I think it's a good movie. I changed my mind. You're right. Oh, I don't wow. know. Here's the thing. No, no, sorry, Nick. I, I don't have an answer to that question. I can't make up my mind if it's a good, bad movie or a bad, good movie. That's why I, I wanted your, your insight. I think it's a good I movie. I cannot answer I the question. I think it's a good movie. No, you know what? You're right. It's a good movie. Don't even, you don't even have to qualify it. No, you said it was a good movie. You said it was a bad, good movie. I think it's a good, good movie. I take it back. Oh, that was a choice. You've gone way off of this whole schematic now. You're just ruining the whole. The, it was the one, and now. I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a good bad movie. I think the premise of dude goes inside a video game is a stupid present premise, but it's so lovingly executed that it becomes an enjoyable experience. It's a. It's a good, wonderful telling of just an absolutely moronic idea. That's why I would call it a good bad movie. But again, I go back and forth on it. But that's why today I would call it a good bad movie. Anyway, I'm sure this is interesting for like one guy who was like uh, 58 and listening to us in the suburbs of... Uh... Anyway. Mara, save this, please. 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 Yes. So, Nick, you are going to be on Sundance on January 21st. What's that about? You're doing their film Start. festival challenge? I have no idea what that means. Starting on January 21st. Yeah, this is going to be a thing that's ongoing. Um, so I am going to be uh, Sundance TV's on-air correspondent for the film festival. So starting January 21st and then for the next 10 days, um, you know, sort of interspersed between their movies and stuff, they're going to have coverage from the film festival, and that's going to be with me interviewing filmmakers and stuff. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. I've never been to Sundance before to Park City, and I think it's going right. to be a lot of fun. I, I don't are they know putting you up? Do you get to go in all the fancy parties? Like, are you yeah, doing this posh, or are you like kind of sleeping on someone's couch? No, I mean they like I have a, a room and everything. They're nice, flying nice. There. There's gonna be um, a bed. Really, are you bringing the fam? Can I, I sleep on your couch? Family, actually, that's I, awesome. Uh, get yourself there, and I'll, we'll, we'll find a way. That's awesome. <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Like, it's like you're a baby and a, and a wife, and you've got like a free room because it's paid for, and they're coming with you on a trip, like. I've had that experience. It's like one of my happiest memories. The baby and the paid-for-by-somebody-else hotel room on a working vacation is like a lovely thing. I, I think you're going to have best, a fantastic time. Can I tell you the best one of those I ever had? I'm, I'm, excited, about, I'm excited about Sundance, but, and I think it's going to be fun, but this is the most fun that I could possibly... I, I don't like Las Vegas, but when I was 20, I got cast in a, uh, a, 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 a commercial for Caesars Palace Hotel. And they flew me and my uh, wife out, my then-girlfriend, gave us a room at Caesar's Palace, and um, there's a secret cafeteria in the basement of Caesar's Palace that is wow. the exact same food they serve upstairs, except it's all free. <laughs> and it was a week. I, it, I spent two days working, and the rest of the week was just eating. It was so great. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Anybody who's listening out there who can be in a commercial for Caesar's Palace, do it. Or if they just go through that secret door, it's right by the slot machines. It doesn't look like a door. You kind of have to pull it open, and then you just keep walking. It is amazing. <laughs> I was invited to this Google Hangout at Google in New York City, and the yeah. cafeteria is free. So so I looked around like for where the cashier was, and there wasn't any. He just grabbed food and ate it. That's why communism failed, buddy. That's why what? <laughs> That's why communism failed. Oh, yeah, well, I don't know. Google's doing something right. I guess all that not being evil, right? So now we are on the final, it's not really a game, but it's the final segment of the show. 
Okay. Called the Knowledge Roundup. And it's not complicated. Here's what we do. We go around, starting with Mara, then me, ending with you, because you get the last word as the guest. What we learned, something we learned in the uh, the last hour. Now, Mara usually goes first, and that sucks because she's on the spot, and so she gets the least time to think of an idea. But sometimes she takes exactly what I'm going to say, so it actually works to my disadvantage, and I get screwed, because then I have no time to think of what I learned. So Mara, what did you learn? Well, so this is a weird one because I actually I thought like 10 minutes ago I was like, oh, I've got to remember that because you want to say that at the end. Totally gone. So as you're doing this, this is the first time I had to scramble and come up with something. And what I came up with, the thing that I learned is that I never want to meet Janine Garofalo in person because I've already gone through <laughs> puberty and I don't want to see what that would do again. I, I don't want to do that twice in my life. So Wait, no, would Janine Garofalo make you go through a second female puberty or a first male I puberty? So. I don't oh, I'm not boy. sure, but I don't want to be the experiment. I don't want to you be know the what? I don't, I don't really out. want to see the result of either of those two things. No, no, I actually also right. wanted to ask, I want to make sure, is Janine Garofalo going, is she going to have any sort of films at Sundance? Are you going to have to run into her again? Because oh, that, could be, that could be complicated for you. Oh, and no, I just want you to see that through before you go. Yeah, I got oh, have a plan Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't I don't think a Mystery Men is playing this year at Sundance, so I think we're safe. No, they might have a sort of a, an encore. Hey, oh hey, 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 that's a good one. Nick. Mystery Men. Good bad movie, bad good movie, good good movie, bad bad movie. That is uh I think that's a bad execution of a bad idea. Yeah, I think that's a bad bad movie. Ooh, I think it's a bad good movie. No, I think, I think it's a bad good movie. I think it's a good, no, it's a good idea. Bad movie. Totally I think it's a good bad movie. I think it's a good bad movie. I think it's a bad idea, but I liked it. <laughs> Mara's yeah. favorite part of Mystery Men? Yeah. Jane Cook's 30 seconds in the movie. That's her favorite, oh, I, her favorite part. I forgot about that. Jane I'm Cook sure. as the waffler is yeah. her favorite part of the movie. Actually, Hagazaria uh, as the Blue Raja, I think, has a couple of funny... Uh, lines, a couple of moments. All right, what did I learn? Well, I got an easy one. I learned there's a uh, there's a uh, free cafeteria in uh, the basement of Caesars. So that's a very and, useful uh, lesson. And I hope to take advantage of it someday. But Nick, this is really all about you and your journey over the course of the hour. Yeah. Um, so what did you learn? Guys, we've been through a lot in the past hour. Um, we've had a lot of good talks. I feel like, um, you know, we, we went through kind of uh, my childhood and our uh, emotions about the world, about society at large. And mm-hmm. I think the thing that I came away from this conversation with you two uh, brilliant, funny people with is that uh, the 1982 movie Tron is a masterwork, just objectively <laughs> a good no, film. No, no one <laughs> thinks that here. You I don't know how you could have learned that. Away no from him. that. <laughs> if that is what he has learned, then that is what he has learned. You can't deny uh, his experience. All right. That's what you came to understand you from your own reflection. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I feel like I'm trying to be appeased. And no, I, I, mean, I, 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 sound, I, I sound like I'm being salty, but I really, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I regret saying that it was bad at all. It's really good. All right. You know, there are there are He's plenty of people who there, you know, levels. Let's all stop and think about it. Go on, sir. Well, I was just trying <laughs> to say something nice. 
Go Maybe ahead, that's why it was hard to hear because it doesn't happen. But uh, Nick, uh, you know, there's plenty of people in comedy who are like quote unquote nice guys, and and most of them I think are just fucking assholes and full of shit uh, and just fearful of confrontation and uh, just big wussies who aren't nice. But I don't. I've only known Nick in a short amount of time, but he's really nice, and it seems really sincere and Nick's one of those people who's so nice that you just hang around him for a little bit and you're like oh my god maybe I'm an asshole so uh, it was a pleasure <laughs> oh it was a pleasure doing your podcast and thank you for doing ours everyone should check out uh, the Breakfast Quest uh, podcast it's on iTunes they really like ours. but ours they really probably will be on iTunes guys we're going to be uploading all our uh, old uh, episodes by the way We'll be on the Misfits Network, and we'll probably be on iTunes or something. Uh, 2016. We just wanted to get our sea legs uh, and get it done. But in the meantime, listen to Nick's, and thank you so much for uh, for doing our show. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me, and and thank you for both um, contributing such funny stuff uh, to Twitter. I, I think you know not enough gets said about people making uh, free entertainment every day and, and both of you contribute in such a great way and it, it makes all of my days better. So thank you for doing that. You know, I'm going to take back what I said about Nick not being full of shit. He might I know. actually <laughs> he went a be a little too far. He did go a little too far. But he, you know, I read your stuff, Wayne, so obviously that was a little I can't little believe I thought far. I was the asshole. Clearly uh-huh. he is the asshole. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, from all of us assholes to all of you assholes, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Nick, for being on. And we will be back next week. And everybody have a good new year. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.